It's Lucy Litch, and this is Tiny House Conversations. It's the Australian-based podcast where I interview experienced tiny houses, tiny builders, and adventurers in the tiny world, so you can discover how to create, build, and transition into tiny life. Welcome back to another episode of Tiny House Conversations. On the show today, I'm speaking with Megan and Colin Leeson, who are tiny houses living in Brisbane, Queensland, in what they call the Serenity Tiny House, which they've been living in since 2019. Colin and Megan were guests on the show right back in episode number two, and I've asked them to join me again to talk all about their Cinderella incinerating toilet. And in this conversation, we talk about their main reasons for choosing an incinerating toilet rather than a composting toilet, standard flushing toilet, or any other option, how the incinerator toilet works. We also talked all about emptying, cleaning, smell, and ventilation, some challenges they experienced using this toilet, advice for tiny houses looking into which tiny toilet option is right for them, and more. It was great to have Colin and Megan back on the show. So on to this Tiny House Conversation. Megan and Colin, welcome back to Tiny House Conversations. It's really great to have you on the show again. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. It sure is. Thanks. Yeah, good to see you guys again. Now, I had you both on the podcast on episode number two. So that was actually about maybe a year ago now at this point, And you guys were the first guest interview. and. In that conversation, you know, I found out that you guys are using a Cinderella incinerating toilet. And I know that I was saying this offline to you before, you know, when it comes to tiny house toilets, I feel like it's one of the most frequently asked questions. And people are always wondering, you know, what type of toilet should I go a composting toilet? What what are the different brands? What are the different options? There's so many things. And so I know you guys have got a bit of experience now using the one that you have. So yeah, we'd love to just dive a, a little further into that today and how that's working for you. So first off, are you able to let us know with the Cinderella incinerating toilet, what were some of your main reasons for wanting to go with that option rather than say a standard flushing toilet or or any other kind of toilet option? I was interested in something that looked like a mainstream toilet and when we were first looking at designing, there weren't as many options out there and the composting toilets weren't getting the best reviews and we just kind of had seen incinerating toilets on the overseas channels and we kind of looked at it and we both just went, that's something that's easy for us to use. It looks easy to use. We're not going to freak our family out. And it was easy to clean and maintain. Mm. Additionally, when you sort of think about using various toilet methods and the property that you may find your your house on, you'd probably need to consider what the potential landlord might think happens with your toilet wastes. And so options where there's where there's composting and various other method, methods that might concern people one of the little side benefits of the incinerating solution is that that has no waste. So it has just a small amount of ash, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go through, very little upkeep and no sort of human waste. Yeah, and so you've you've kind of find it to be like a much more sort of manageable 
type of option. Uh, and I'm I'm curious. So I, I guess at the time, because you guys have had it for a little while, but whereabouts did you buy it from and, and what was the cost at the time or rough cost? All right. So we bought it as we started our house, which we've been in it for going on four and a half years now. So we bought it at that time. At that time, they were still in the final stages of bringing them into Australia and setting up their distribution network in in Australia. We initially, I think we paid in an early time around $6,000. The model we have now is about getting towards seven and a half by the time it got to your you know, ship to you. We, we bought ours originally off a, a person who was setting themselves up to be a Queensland rep and, and that will also be part of, the, part of our story as we go through about some things that we didn't know that, that, that have sort of caused a little bit of a problem for us but well worth knowing in advance for people considering them. Um, I would say also ours is an electric model so it runs off power with an with a electrically powered heat coil to do the burning since ours came in, the company also has now approval to sell in Australia a gas-powered model, which costs about $500 more, so sort of more like almost $8,000. Uh, but, yeah, runs off gas, so someone with an off-grid solution who might be concerned about how much power they need or have with their solar system, gas becomes an alternative for them. And we should point out, too, that we're on the grid. Yeah. using this toilet as well on the grid yeah yeah well that's really good to know and then that they've also got that gas option i'm curious just on that because you know like when you have things in a tiny house and often it's maybe the oven or the stove and things like that consume a lot of power do you happen to know if it, if this incinerating toilet that you have like does it use a lot of power or uh, because is it, i'm assuming it's on all the time as well isn't it so it's plugged in all the time. What happens as you go to use the toilet, you lift the lid and it, and it starts a fan like a computer fan, which is almost zero power. After you go to the toilet and you press the button, which does the air quotes flush, it, it drops a package down into the, the burning thing. And I'm looking here at the stats, 1.4 kilowatts for a burn, for a full cycle of a burn. So that lasts, I don't know, let's say somewhere between half an hour and 45 minutes probably and then it it continues to run that fan to help it cool down which again is almost no power so um and then the fan stops yeah then the fan stops later on so again looking at the the data i've got in front of me here if, if you're in an off-grid scenario two kilowatts of solar power and batteries give you two to three flushes overnight Okay. For the electric version we're talking of course okay that's good to know actually to just be able to yeah have a, a an idea of that so you talked a little bit about how it works there and i'm actually just curious because megan you mentioned at the start you know when you were considering what kind of toilet you're wanting to get and sort of having in mind that you wanted it to be user-friendly especially if like other people come over i'm finding that uh, an interesting thing at the moment too because i have a different kind of toilet that it's di it's different to what most people would, would have ever used and it's got a urine diverter and all that and I'm I'm noticing that that's just like a really interesting thing um because it it, it kind of changes the way especially for men how you know if you were going to use a toilet it changes the way that you have to use it so is is this just literally 
you would just sit on the toilet and like as if you were having any other toilet and then obviously just the way that the um things are processed is just the the difference in that like people don't really have to worry too much about anything else when people come to the house we go right we're going to give you a lesson in how to use the toilet it's not scary <laughs> and, and i've got a chart on the wall with instructions no need for drama or google this is what you need to do <laughs> basically you lift the lid and the toilet comes with paper liners and you literally just pop a paper liner down in there do your business close the lid and you just push the triangle button and my darling mum who has dementia is able to still use the toilet she knows that she has to put the paper liner in and she just knows that she has to hit the triangle button so it's the equivalent of the normal flush on a toilet which then if you're doing your business in the paper liner also makes your toilet cleaning much easier and there's no smells associated with toilets so cleaning wise for me is a breeze because the paper liner does everything for you and everybody has to sit everyone sits down and that's the way it is so yeah it's got instructions on the inside of the lid with picture graphics open lid put liner in sit push button I mean, it's it's virtually idiot-proof, so. <laughs> now, it's it's good to know because, yeah, like just you mentioned before about, you know, giving everyone a rundown and you have a chart inside the toilet. I've also been doing the same thing. And I guess it's just a you show people and, and it just takes a bit of getting used to, but it really still, it still can work. And you talked a, a bit just before about, um, you know, there's no smell or anything and that I think, Colin, you also mentioned there's like a, a little fan that's running all the time too. So what else is there about ventilation when it comes to this toilet? So do you also have to have like a vent pipe that goes above the roof line and, and that's that type of thing? Um, yes, you do. So it sucks air from in from outside, goes through the toilet and then pumps it up out of flue to above the roof. And that fan's moving that air through. So you've got a couple of questions there and a couple of areas I'll talk about. The, f- the first one, no smells. It's amazing. Because of that fan, you wouldn't even get the, the smells you'd normally get in a normal bathroom uh, because any smell you might produce, how politically correct is that, gets moved away by the fan straight away. So it's pretty impressive. Um, the flu thing, I mentioned earlier about us having a little bit of problem early on uh, but I guess because we're on the, uh, they call it the bleeding edge, don't they, of, of new technologies coming in. Mm. The flu that we used, when we bought ours, we, we were sort of led to understand that you could just use a bit of pipe and put this flu together. A uh, Sort of a long story short, it wasn't functioning correctly, which ended up causing some of the components within the toilet to need replacing only recently. And so, yeah, we, we learnt from the new people who we've been dealing with for a few years and we'll, we'll leave you links to that company and at, at Cinderella Toilets or Retrolooms have been really good in helping us figure out how we should have done it originally. We've got it all set up properly and it now works. So I guess the message out of that is make sure it's set up correctly at the beginning and that'll save you some some issues and for us a bit of expense later on that we weren't expecting yeah that's but our really- original seller really was a bit of a cowboy and didn't really know a lot of what he was doing yeah. and in hindsight after speaking to to our new supplier um the difference is chalk and cheese yeah they, they talked us through everything and the other guy just went yeah that's fine and because we knew no different we just believed him and yeah so yeah 
They just decide with nearly so the less, new lessons learned. <laughs> <laughs> hey, another yeah. thing worth mentioning that we've sort of touched on here a little bit is the liners. So as a consumable item in the toilet, it is those liners. You buy them in a pack of 500 for about about $50, I think. So if you work that out, it costs you about $0.10 cents in liners per flush. Factoring that into you know, to what you're choosing when you go with the um, incinerating toilet is important as well. Yeah, to, to know that there are, you know, some ongoing costs and all of that. So you also talked a little bit before in terms of like the emptying process and and how often. So you're both there full time and then I'm assuming, you know, you have people around sometimes. So how often would you have to to empty it? So this is, again, part of our learning process. We were originally advised sort of once a month. What What I do now is weekly. So really it's just unclipping the bottom, pulling out what's what looks just like a big saucepan, tipping it out, giving it a hose out, put it back in. Um, so weekly doing that, and with, with actually three of us here at the moment, our, uh, we spent last year with our younger daughter living with us, and this, and just before Christmas, our, our elder daughter came back from the UK and is, is living with us. So with the three of us using it, you know, if you imagine the pan's about the size of a bread and butter plate in the bottom, and you might have two centimetres thick of, of ash, it's, and it's just ash, completely inert, nothing biological left in it there'd be that much to tip out so that weekly cycle of doing that what we were also advised to do at that point by by a net is to just tip water in it and and run a flush cycle where it's really just boiling the water to kind of steam out the system so yeah weekly i do that and i don't know 10 minutes 15 if i'm really slow I usually put some water in and let it sort of soak for a bit, then flush it out. So very, very small project. Then there's a, a sort of a less regular process of actually taking the toilet outside and, and with the kit that comes with it, the maintenance kit, you tip some boiling water down through the system at the back and it flushes out what's called a catalytic converter, which takes smells away. And so we were doing that I don't know, once a year, and that also turned out not to be enough. And so we've really, starting this year, we've said every two months I'll do that, take it outside, flush that thing out, give it a good kind of a clean and run the um, flu cleaner. I'm like the old chimney sweep from years back, uh, just a ball with a weight, and you just slide it down the down the flu tube a couple of times. I actually did that this week, and I don't know if that took me half an hour or much more that would also be surprising. So not not terribly much. Yeah, and I suppose if you are doing it a little bit more often, it shouldn't, when you are actually doing those things, it shouldn't take too much at too long at a time. And it's good, like you said, be, because I found a similar thing with the the toilet that I'm using. I think often the manufacturer might say, oh, you know, you don't have to, to change it and for six to eight weeks or whatever it might be. But I'm actually finding that doing it, it weekly just seems to be easier and just, you know, not having anything, I suppose, go wrong or or anything like that. I'm curious as well. So you're talking about how it creates the the ash. So are you are you guys, can you put that on the garden or put it in compost or anything like that? In the in the paperwork that they produce, they suggest you don't put it on food crops. The the, the answer is 
they're, they're just not quite sure what nutrients are left, but around the rest of the garden, definitely. We have, for people who've seen our show on YouTube or whatever, we've got a nice veggie garden going here. And so I don't put it on there, but any of the other gardens, round trees, whatever else, no problems. Yeah, sounds like similar to if you were creating compost from the composting toilets too. And what about servicing? Um, is that something that's necessary? I know, you, I mean, you've talked about how you had some challenges and so you had to kind of reconfigure the whole system anyway, but from what you're you're aware of, like, yeah, is there a, a time frame that they say to maybe service it? This is, a, I guess, a good news story from from how we began to what we have now. So the company based in Melbourne have servicing people around, one of which lives in Brisbane. So to their credit, the few times we did have some issues with ours, Someone was here very quickly with a replacement, a, a spare. A loner uh, toilet. A loner one, yeah, a loner toilet. How about that? <laughs> you don't hear that every day. <laughs> and they took it away and serviced it. Yeah. So um, as far as servicing that might be needed by a professional, I don't believe I've ever heard anything with that regard. It would only be if you have a problem and if you maintain that service schedule that I mentioned before, there should be no need for, for sending or paying someone to do that. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, you, you already touched on a bit how you did have some challenges. I know is, do you have any other, you know, interesting stories about what may have happened with the toilet or things that have been other challenges that might have come up or, or anything like that? You mentioned about reconfiguring it before. Really it was simply the flu that we, we purchased the proper flu kit later on and that, was seen to be the problem, and so that wasn't terribly onerous. The trouble for us was that having it running incorrectly, how it was, damaged some components inside, which cost us a fair bit more than we would have hoped. Again, all all down to us having bad having done it wrong in the first place. Unfortunately, thanks to bad information that was given to us. So do you feel like now that you've had, you know, quite a bit of experience using the toilet, like is there anything that you feel like just from your own personal experience, like different design features or the functionality or anything else that you feel like either isn't working for you or maybe just could be slightly improved in some way or anything that you might change? The design itself is just lovely and it's so easy to keep clean internally and and just for my I do the cleaning of the toilet Colin does all the outside cleaning part um it's just a breeze I, yeah. I I agree I don't think there's anything I'd change probably the one observation I would make is if if we have visitors around and there's a queue for the toilet with it running and running and running it gets pretty warm I don't know how great that would be I don't think I'd like to have it in a in a house of six or eight people regularly using it. So I, I think it suits a tiny house a lot better than much more use than that. But other than that, no, I agree. That being it's, said, it's you good. can also not initiate the flush each time you do it. You the can, burn. Yeah, so you, you can flush burn. without burning. Yeah, you can flush without burning so that it doesn't heat up as often when you do have a lot of people around. But we haven't really had that issue yet. It's nice and warm in winter, though. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that's a that's a first world problem, isn't it? To be worried about getting a bit warm. So otherwise, no, we 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 think it's great. 
We, we've we, had we, all the jokes of sitting on a ring of fire and all, <laughs> like, you name it, we've heard it, and, oh, you're incinerating this, and the, then people see it and they just they just stop talking. It's well, <laughs> we say we've got the most expensive toilet you're ever going to sit on, yeah. if, yeah. if that makes any difference. <laughs> um, and, look, that's probably worth, worth talking about too. The cost is high. For us, it was worth it for the, the simplicity of it and the, the other bits like, the landlord's opinion, those sorts of things. But I, I certainly understand that it's an investment for, for someone trying to build their house. Yeah, and I think it just um, it depends on, yeah, just like anything, it's whatever the needs are for the for the people that are going to be using it. And it's great to hear that, yeah, it is working for you guys. So with the, the solids and the liquids, they're not separated, are they? Like everything just goes into the same place. Yeah, so you don't have to divert anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, obvious, so obviously the liquids just evaporate and yeah. the solids get burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, no, that's good. And also uh, you, you talked about cleaning there before, Megan. So you said it's a simple process. Is it just a matter of just, you know, spraying it and, and wiping it and all? How does that all work? liner of the bowl is stainless steel and it opens like a trap door to drop things down and um, so I'll just give it a good wipe out of that because as I said nothing's getting caught on there or, or left on there because the paper liner's done everything so I'll give that a wipe out and give the seat just a good swish over with some out. antiseptic and and mm. and then just wipe down the lid and that's done there's no scrubbing like the traditional toilets and getting rid of smells because the the paper liners contained everything. It's no mess. It's more just hygienic. Sounds like relatively. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Relatively easy to manage. (laughs) Oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. (laughs) I think, I think. You have to have some toilet humour. Exactly, exactly. And I think when we're talking about toilets anyway, I mean, I know at the Tiny Homes Expos, you know, you have people like Anthony from Waterwally who's been on the show before talking about composting and poo and all of that. And it's, I guess it's a funny thing that can make some people uncomfortable, but the reality is, is that we all do it and it's a natural process. And yeah, as you said, Megan, we're talking about toilets. So it kind of goes with the territory. So yeah, it's totally fine that you said that, Colin. <laughs> all good. <laughs> uh, and so do you guys have any advice for people that are looking into which tiny toilet option is best for them? Because it can be a bit of a minefield, you know, there's so many questions, there's so many brands, there's so many different types. So just, yeah, anything that you might want to share that maybe was helpful for you when you were deciding? A lot of people, we were, and that is we're we're nervous or scared or grossed out or whatever by having to do some sort of a composting solution. And, and, and you know yourself and you've heard solutions, everything from just a bucket in a corner with a bit of wood chips through the, through the splitting systems and canister systems. And I think right at the other end is where the incinerating solution comes. And so for us it was this, this kind of scares us a little bit, so we'd rather not do it. And so that's why we went with the, the incineration. Tiny House Expos, have a look around. Ask the reps all the questions. Do your research. 
back when we were looking in 2017, none of that was kind of happening like it is these days. I wanted to know what happens like with period, with composting, yeah. urine diverters and that, all of that stuff that as a mother of two daughters and myself, I wanted to know, but nobody was talking about that. It's all those questions that I want to know about. So, yeah, don't be afraid to ask. But with the incinerating toilet, because that's what we wanted at the time, who knows, we may look at something further down the track. But, yeah, don't be afraid to ask and certainly reach out to other people. We get questions all the time on our Insta about the toilet. So, yeah, don't be afraid to ask another person that's got one. Hey, get an honest opinion. This is your budget what your budget allows and it's all very well to say everyone should have an incinerating toilet at seven and a half thousand dollars but clearly that's not going to work for everyone make what you need work because we don't have small kids too yeah yeah that's a good point too i think it really is just different for every single situation and context because yeah it depends on how many people where you're parked on the land what's what's your budget do you want to be creating compost would you prefer not to have to worry about any of this kind of stuff and you, you want to have a flushing toilet? Yeah, there's so many different variables. So that's that's really great advice. And is there anything that you feel like we haven't covered today when it comes to the Cinderella incinerating toilet or anything about tiny house toilets in general? Quite well. The only the only thing I would suggest is have a talk to the professionals and we We've mentioned Annette, the, the website scandinaviansolutions.com.au, based in Melbourne, lots of knowledge and, and definitely can answer questions that people might have. Okay, perfect. I'll put a link in the show notes at tinyhouseconversations.com for that. I'll get that off for you later, Colin. And do you want to let everyone know where they can come and find and connect with you online? Uh, because, you know, you guys share your tiny house journey on your Instagram page as well. Our big tiny house. We've got the, we've sort of mentioned in our earlier interview about the little workshop beside it. I've got a few things up there on its own Instagram account, Serenity Woodcraft. Otherwise, there's the... Bryce's YouTube show, just search Living Big in a Tiny House. Hamptons is the easiest way to find oh, their, um, the show they did on our house. It's a few years ago now and a few things have changed, but, yeah, that's about it. Okay, great. I'll put a link in the show notes for all of those and people can go and check that out. And also, uh, if you're listening at home and you haven't heard uh, my previous conversation with Megan and Colin, I'll put a link in the show notes as well for that. I recommend checking that out. Uh, And you can find all those show notes at tinyhouseconversations.com. Megan and Colin, thank you so much for coming back on the show today. Thank you for your time and for, you know, sharing with us all about the Cinderella incinerating toilet. And been great talking to you again. It's a great topic of conversation that people (laughs) need to know about. So thank you. I absolutely agree, which is why I'm I'm really happy to to have you guys back on the show to talk about all of this. So, yeah, thank you again. And if you're listening to us, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Stay tuned every Thursday for new episodes of Tiny House Conversations, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed the conversation today, you found it valuable, 
and you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to share the love. That way I can keep bringing you more tiny house conversations to help you on your own tiny journey. So here are three ways that you can support the podcast. Number one, if you have a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from hearing these conversations, feel free to share it with them, email them, text them, send them a telegram, do whatever you need to do to share it with them. Number two, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll know exactly when the next episode is live. And number three, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review, Thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode.